Hello guys, welcome back to the podcast. This is Paint the Town Dead, and I am one half of your host, Caitlin. And I'm Andrew, and I like to party. Except for tonight when you're falling asleep. <laughs> Not falling asleep, fell asleep. Fell asleep. Slightly different. Yes. Um, it's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Uh, happy Valentine's Day to my one true love, coffee. I made you a cup, you're welcome. In my Harry Potter mug. What a good matchmaker. You're welcome. You united me with my one true love. You're welcome. I do what I can. Hey, sorry for not releasing an episode last week. I was actively trying to die again, so my apologies. My recommendation, as uh, somebody who's not a doctor and cannot provide Uh um, medical advice or legal advice or honestly any advice, uh, stop it. Uh, duly noted. Thank you. Um, I'm definitely working on it. It's something, it's a work in progress. Um, I got, uh, I think we talked about my CDF infection before. Yes, we did talk about that. It was back. It, well, I don't know if it like ever went away or if I got reinfected. Um, but it can happen apparently. Um, and let me tell you, it feels like dying all over again, but this time, I got to take really expensive medication, which I'm still taking, but yeah, that's fun. Um, so hopefully this will kick it and I'll be back to normal and get back to a normal state and we won't have to keep doing this because man, this has been a bad, bad year for health for me. Bad year for health, bad long time for us releasing on time. So sorry. And it's literally almost always my fault. I'm pretty sure like we release um late more often than we do normal at this point you're you're good at keeping on track it's not that i'm necessarily bad at it it's just literally it becomes my week and it's like all right caitlin's week what can we concoct health wise so uh but I, i would like to work on that this year uh which by the way we've talked about this we're coming up on two years of paint the town dead which is kind of crazy to think about it is crazy. So we won't do anything like we did last year. <laughs> <laughs> All the haters said we couldn't do it. And I said, you're probably right. But we did it anyway. But we did Whoops. it. Whoops. Didn't well, mean to. Oh, well. Here we here we are. Oh, well. Why don't you... Uh, let's... Well, I think it's time. I, tell I us what we're going to do. The good folks have waited long enough. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be a little different this week. Uh, our, our, our title of our show is Paint the Town Dead. But uh, nobody dies this week again again i keep doing that too but it kind of shaking things up a little bit um it's we're gonna talk today about i've labeled it the tri-state adoption scheme or the arkansas adoption scheme um but it's really in three different states so um but it's a bit different there is crimes there's no murder um and we like you know you and I, we like to keep our episodes as victim-focused as possible um, and really garner something from each episode. And I think we'll garner a lot from today's episode, but there's it, none of the victims' identities are really... They were all kind of kept under wraps, um, so it's private. So I, I don't... We'll be talking about the perpetrator mostly. So without further ado, let us talk about the Tri-State Adoption Scheme. So a lot of background here. We're going to talk about a lot of history. So we're going to start in the Republic of the Marshall Islands, which is also just called the Marshall Islands. Uh, They're a Pacific Island chain 
uh, a part of Micronesia. And it's kind of, I was like, that means nothing to me. I'm really bad with geography. What does that mean? It's in between the Philippines and Hawaii. So if you go to Australia, you go up a little bit and then you take a right on the map. You're going to, you're going to hit the Marshall Islands. Maybe this will come up, but I do believe, as I understand it, there's a lot of uh, Marshallese people in Northwest Arkansas these days. Oh my God, you just ruined everything. Oh, did I? No, but you are right. We'll talk about it. We're going to talk about it. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Um, so it was, I mean, I was reading, I read the entire Wikipedia page of, um, the Marshall Islands. It's quite lengthy, but very interesting. I like history. Um, it's gone through many rulers over the time, but most recently it was acquired by the U S after they occupied it during world war two, they did nuclear testing there for like 10 years or something like just, just practicing dropping atom bombs where people live. Where else are you going to put them? The moon? (laughs) Maybe, maybe away from people. Um, so, uh, and they did it in a place called the Bikini Atoll. Atoll? Yes, very famous. Okay. And that's where, that's where the name for the swimsuit comes from. Is it? Yeah. Okay. The, uh, the guy who invented it named it after those nuclear tests. Oh, uh, you're lying. No, I'm not. Oh, okay. I did a report on this when I was in elementary school. The way you said it, I thought you were sure. No, it sounds fake, but it that does. is, that is for real how it happened. Okay. Was very famous, uh, very public nuclear test yes. in Bikini Atoll. Yes. And that's what the fashion designer named it after. Oh, okay. So, and I thought that was, I was like, there has to be some kind of relation there. Because they are, it is a tropical type island. So, I, I figure bikinis would be prominent there. Well, they probably weren't. Um, Not again, initially. I, I'm pretty sure the guy invented them. Of course it was a guy. But I mean, but I, mean I mean, I don't even know if it was a guy actually. But yeah. That's, okay. Uh, so, yeah. Well, there you go. And in 1979, um, after about 15 years of working towards independence, the Marshall Islands became kind of like a sort of independent, like, I don't really know what to call it, sovereignty, I guess. Um, The U.S., they govern themselves, but the U.S. still provides military, different subsidies, and some U.S.-based services like the Postal Service. Um, There was some other things, too. They use the U.S. dollar, so, but they have their own, like, governing body um they're a part of the um united nations i think okay so um, they're they're they use the dollar and all that but they're not a part they're not like a, even a territory like the virgin islands or whatever not really because they have their own governing body but they're still like a. it's like a like a like a i don't really like a, that's what i don't know what to call it, it they're a self-governing territory essentially Okay, I, it looks like they're considered a, their own separate country, so. But they still, like I said, they still, the U.S. is still present there. I think they have a military base there. I'm not sure. But, um, like I said, they do have some, they provide, United States provides military subsidies, uh, the Postal Service, the U.S. dollar. Um, they also do a lot of imports. The U.S. imports a lot of their stuff to there. Um, because it's an island, you know, they don't have, you know, they have to import everything. So, the U.S. does that. Okay. So, kind of mixed, kind of mixed thing. Um, so, that means citizens of the Marshall Islands, they can come to the U.S. to travel and live. And that was a rule put in place in 1986 called the Compact of Free Association. Uh, this was also, I read, put into place as a kind of like, um, like, sorry for uh, irradi- irradiating, I don't putting radiation on you and your island and all your people, you can come to the U.S. if you want to. You get a free pass. So, because they wanted to deter people from from 
seeking legal action against the U.S. government. And we also wanted to deter the Russians from trying to nuke us. Oh, really? I mean, that's, yeah. Well, but this was their apology was, to be that like. That was the Cold War. But this was their apology to be like, hey, you get a free pass to come to the U.S. because we 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 practice a lot of uh, horrible things that cause cancer. So. Yeah, it's better than just, um, hey, we named a swimsuit after you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, however, with the open travel um, between the U.S. and the Marshall Islands, a boom in adoptions happened around this time, uh, which they're not really 100% sure why, but it seemed but that it was because Marshallese women who were impoverished or could not find work or needed a way off the island to, the, to come to the U.S. or just wanted to leave, they would adopt out their babies um, to obviously get here. There was such a boom in what is essentially human trafficking, that there was a ban put into place by 2003, specifically banning women from the Marshall Islands traveling to the USA to give birth and to adopt out their babies. So it was women who were already pregnant would be sought out, brought back, give birth. Yeah. And then adopt out their babies to make money. Uh, and then that was the law that was put in place from the U.S. Now, the Marshall Islands, they adopted a law that banned people paying cash for babies, but that really didn't have much effect. Um, also, unbeknownst to the women who were adopting out, these adoptions were obviously, you know, in the U.S., adoptions are pretty permanent, which is not the norm for the Marshall Islands. In their culture, uh, informal adoptions happen often between family members and close friends, if a woman is like struggling to care for her child or her children, she will informally adopt out her children to family or friends. Uh, but there would always be open communication between the mother and child. And when the child turned 18, they would typically return back to the mom. So this is very different than American adoptions where rules can be put into place where there's no contact and the adoption is obviously a legal and binding contract. There, it's not, not necessarily that way there. So basically like, our version of adoption is totally you go, you go it's courts it's legal it's binding it's like buying something whereas there's ver their version is more like a blockbuster or something <laughs> like you're just renting out the kid that's right hey you want to you want to take watch this kid for uh 17 years but it, i mean it's very informal and it's more like uh well i'm struggling right now so my family's gonna keep my kids um so it's more of like family helping family out but it happens it's not uncommon at all over there and mom would still be involved whereas you know here in the u.s most of the times there's once the adoption's done that's it you know it, there's there's no communication it's cut and dry goodbye so um that was happening a lot so little to no intervention was being made to actually prevent the women from entering into this agreement of giving up their babies there was no checkpoint for pregnant women leaving. There's only one international airport on the island. So there's no checkpoint for those pregnant women and no checkpoints for when they get into the country. But then it's kind of complicated. Like, are you going to stop and ask every pregnant woman from the Marshall Islands, are you pregnant? What are you, you, know, what are you doing? Are you going to go give your baby away? So just sounds like a way to have people get mad at you. Exactly. Like, how far along are you? Um, excuse me not. yeah exactly <laughs> and of course people can lie about their reasons like they have to you know when they come into the country they have to state a reason for them coming here 
Of course, you can be like, I'm visiting friends. I'm visiting family. <laughs> Nobody's going to put, I'm I'm selling my baby, you know? Right. You would think not. Yeah. I'm sure somebody did and they're like, no, Goodbye. you can't. They, actually, and they told all their friends like, hey, you can't actually put that. They, they're not cool. There was only, I read about only one case in 2006 where a woman, a pregnant, a clearly visibly pregnant woman from the island was stopped and they figured out that she was going to, she was leaving to go to the US. She was accompanied by somebody who was facilitating it and um, they were, they were stopped. And that was the only case I saw where intervention occurred. So one, I mean, maybe there's more, but I only read about one. So it's kind of wild. I mean, it's not like minority report. They can't like predict what you're doing with the future. I guess it'd be, unless you have some sort of evidence to figure it out. Yeah. Hey, we have these text messages between the two of you. But who's going to do that? You know, whose job is that? I mean, the FBI or somebody, it, but it's like, it would be a tough thing to figure out. Yes. Very tough. So, um, so yeah. So like you said, interesting fact, Northwest Arkansas hosts the largest population of Marshallese people outside of the Marshall Islands. And I read somewhere it's between 12 and 15,000 people And the islands themselves only comprise like, it's like only 80,000 people in total from all the islands. And most of those people live at the capital, which is like Mujaro, Muharo, something like that. I, I don't know. Um, so yeah, you were you were right. Large population. Of course I'm right. I'm always right. What are you talking about? Mm. You say that like you're surprised. Well, I'm, you're you, right this time. I was, and also about the swimsuit thing. So you, you, I don't know that. I can't. I know that, and I've known it since elementary school. Well, I'm proud of you. So, jeez. Well, are are we going to? Is there going to be an ex- explanation for how Northwest Arkansas became? Yes, because okay. I was wondering. I was like, it just stated it, and that was it. And I was like, no, no, I want to know why. Like, how did that happen? So we're going to talk about that. So in the early 1980s, a Marshallese man, this is like a, what they can figure. Um, a Marshallese man named John Moody moved to Oklahoma. Um, and he had received a scholarship for his education for, I can't remember which college there. But not long after that, after he finished college or whatever, he moved to Northwest Arkansas and began working at the Tyson factory, which is poultry and birds and chicken. Um, so I'm guessing what they're guessing is like word got out not long after that. Um, that like, hey, this is a good company. Let's come come work up here. And people just kept coming. There's a guy who has an in for you if you need help or yeah, whatever, maybe. Yeah. And so initially, most people who traveled from the islands to the U.S., they moved to Hawaii, which is not far or to Southern California, but the cost of living in those areas is really high. And these people were coming from, you know, not great circumstances. So many people started moving to the Midwest, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Missouri, and Kansas. And so then there again comes more population of people and be like, oh, hey, my cousin, my cousin John works at the Tyson factory. He says it's great. So many of those living in Northwest Arkansas are employed in the poultry industry, specifically Tyson, with a whopping 30% of Tyson's employees being Marshallese, which I thought was kind of interesting. That's a big number. That is a big number. For for one company. For one company. And, and a very specific group of people. A very specific ethnicity yeah. that is very far away from there. Yes. So very. it's like, Northwest Arkansas, okay, whatever. And of course, you know, Walmart is up there too, which is, I mean, probably a good company. Well, I don't know. It's probably pretty good to get a job there, you know. Yeah, it depends. Com- coming I'm from sure. coming from out of country. Um, so 
that's going to bring us to a little backstory there, a lot of history. Take that in. We're going to talk about a guy named Paul Peterson, Mr. Pee Pee. In 1998, <laughs> Andrew made a face. In 1998, at 23 years old, this guy named Paul Peterson, he was a member of the Church of the Latter day Saints, was assigned his mission to the Marshall Islands. So, for those who don't know, and from what I understand, I'm not. I'm not LDS, but I do have some friends that were or are LDS. Um, people of this particular religion, they do a two-year mission when they're young. They're assigned to places all over the world um, to be, to convert people yes. to, to their religion, um, which is kind of yucky. For for uh, people who care about sports, if you ever look at a roster uh, for BYU, Brigham mm-hmm. Young University, yes. the Mormon College Mor- in Utah. Mormon College. Um their players are always older than the other players from other colleges because they were mission. gone for two years and yeah. then they come back. So I, they, they'll have these guys who are like 28 playing college football or whatever. Yeah, and you're supposed to do it when you're pretty young. I think there's like an age limit or something, but you're pretty young. You're pretty much fresh out of, co- out of high school, barely into college. There's definitely some where it's like, yeah, there, there'll be guys who are like regular college-aged, like, this guy's 19 playing football mm-hmm. and then there'll be like the 28 year old. Mm-hmm. So, and I think sometimes maybe they converted later and then did that and all that stuff. That could be, it uh, just depends. But yeah, there is like the, the two year mission is a big deal in yes. Mormonism. Yes. Um, and pre- it's, I think it's pretty well required unless you're just not able to, but, um, you have to go do your two year mission. People are stationed all over the world. I mean, we even have people here in my town and we're in central Arkansas. So, I mean, whatever. And they come from... I've never seen a town that needs religion more than this one. Whatever. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, Paul was, by all accounts, a smart guy and he enjoyed his time on the islands. He learned the culture. He learned the language. And he learned the good and bad of life there. Um, and after his brief tenure, the two years, he moved back home, which... It didn't ever specifically say, but I'm going to pretty safely assume it's Arizona. So in 2002, Paul got his degree from the Sandra Day O'Connor School of Law at Arizona State University, and he became an adoption attorney. He was licensed in Utah, Arizona, and Arkansas. And he also decided sometime after that, it was time to open up an adoption agency of his own. I just want to say, of those states, one of those is not like the others. Right. Arkansas is nowhere near Arizona or Utah. Arizona and Utah at least touch each other. Oh, do they? They're four corner states. Did not know that. Yeah. How about that? And let me think for a second. Yeah. Arizona directly north is uh, is Utah. Yes. Okay. Had to think about it for a second, but yeah. Like I said, I'm no good at geography, so. Ain't that the truth? It's so true. Um, in 2006, he married a woman named Raquel, and they went on to have four children, Paul, running as a Republican, was also twice elected as the Maricopa County, that's in Arizona, assessor, while also practicing law to some extent, you know, because he had his his adoption agency, he was an adoption lawyer, attorney, and he ran his agency all at the same time, Um, which is legal, but anyway. An interesting... Paul's father, David Peterson, was also involved in politics as he at one time served as the Arizona state treasurer. And David, Paul's dad, David found himself in hot water in 2006 as he mixed personal ventures with his professional life and used the state's money in a questionable manner. And he also lobbied for his own personal businesses and ventures at like 
state run functions like he was like hey join my team blah 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 which is like eh, it's kind of frowned upon yeah it's like hey i see y'all need some stairs built well i've got a great stair company exactly it's mine it's mine exactly anyways he would he would get a lot of heat for this he kind of got in trouble he ended up resigning from his position that year but old old baby paul would end up publicly defending his father and making statements for him about his actions which brings us to Paul and his actions. Let us talk about it. This is probably going to be why you never do anything in public ever. Don't defend your dad's actions in public because maybe that's going to be bad for you. Well, not really. Okay. I'll ruin it for you. (laughs) Okay. In October of 2017, an investigation into Paul Peterson was opened in Utah after a hospital staff member called the attorney general. It was like a helpline or hotline or something. To report that they believed an illegal adoption scheme was happening. They had noticed a really large influx of Marshallese women coming in to give birth. And in some cases, they would literally watch the baby being handed over to adoptive parents in the parking lot of the hospital. Uh, The women were traced back to, you guessed it, Paul Peterson, as all these women coming and going had given the same address of residence, which was a home owned by Peterson. Uh, so they're like, what's it? And he's an adoptive agent, adoptive uh, adoption lawyer, whatever attorney. He owns an adoption agency. Why? What's happening? So in December of 2018, a Utah state trooper was given a concerning tip. A good friend of his was working on an adoption through the agency owned and operated by Peterson. The prospective adopter was concerned about the legitimacy of everything saying it all seemed really sketchy and just come by the hospital we'll hand it off to you in the parking lot yeah straight it's the curbside delivery (laughs) just you get a baby at the curbside you know how adoptions go exactly a couple interested in adopting through peterson's agency toured a home owned by peterson where the birth mother was living they said it resembled a puppy mill in there and that there were multiple pregnant women living in the residence, some sleeping on mattresses on the floor. I think somewhere stated that it was like 15 women, which is a lot of pregnant women in one place. That's a lot of people in one residence at all. And if they're all pregnant, it's really 30 people. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe even more. Maybe somebody has triplets. Who's to say? Oh, Lord. Uh, So... With mounting accusations and with multi-state cooperation between law enforcement entities between Arkansas, Utah, and Arizona, a search warrant was executed on a house owned by Peterson in Arizona. So he owns properties in all three states, multiple properties in all three states, but they, they they zeroed in on this one in Arizona. So what was found? When the search warrant was executed, eight pregnant Marshallese women were found in the home. And when they talked to the women, who none of them really spoke any English, they pointed to their contact, Linwood Jeanette, as the person who was kind of like taking care of them. One neighbor said she saw pregnant women in and out of the building often, but thought they were all a part of like a really large family that lived together. And she didn't think anything was wrong. When she when the cops showed up, she said she thought it was a drug bust. She was like, wow. But turns out, oh, no, it's an illegal adoption scene. I mean... If you were to guess drug bust, you're probably more likely to be right about that than if you thought an adoption scheme was happening. You're just like, why are the cops there? Uh, probably an 
adoption scheme, idiot. Like, no, that doesn't happen. Not that's, the first thing that comes to no, mind. No, that's not the one. But when you got so many... Pre- well, let's talk about the women. So it came to light that over the past four years, Peterson had brought 28 pregnant women from the Marshall Islands to this particular place in Arizona. And that was just the tip of the iceberg. So here's the scheme. Let's. We're, I'm just going to lay it out for you. This was the scheme. This is how it happened. This is what went on. So Peterson learned from his time on the islands as a missionary that women were eager to come to the USA and people in the States were eager to adopt babies. So he was like, well, I'm going to take advantage of this and make some moolah. So Peterson, with the help of what they kind of referred to in in the articles as facilitators, or I think of them as recruiters, um, like Linwood Jeanette, um, amongst other women, these women were native to the Marshall Islands. They would go back home to the Marshall Islands, seek out vulnerable women there. One of the people said that they would like go to prostitution camps and like look for women there. And they would tell them of this money that they can make if they just had their baby in the USA. So they would seek out specifically pregnant women, not women getting pregnant in the US, specifically pregnant women. Um, they would tell them of all this money they can make if they had their baby in the USA. They were told they could make $10,000. His facilitators would help the women get documentation, papers, and plane tickets together quickly. Um, they would come to get, uh, they would come to one of the three states that Peterson practiced law in, Arizona, Utah, or Arkansas, where he had his properties. Some women would just come just come in time to give birth like they were like within days of giving birth and like some women would come and be there for six months so it just kind of depend depended depended is that a word depended yeah that's a word i just had a brain fart um so it just kind of depended um he would offer them one thousand dollars a month along with lodging and like food and stuff at one of the homes that he owned now he didn't say you're gonna be sharing it with 14 other people but he said, you can come stay here. Uh, and the conditions were not always great. Obviously, you have pregnant women sleeping on mattresses on the floor. Uh, Peterson, with the help of his facilitators in the various states, would fraudulently sign the women up for Medicaid so that they would not have to pay anything for their prenatal care, which was often very minimal anyways and often only in the third trimester, which is near the end of pregnancy. And... With the Medicaid that they would sign up for, they wouldn't have to pay for their prenatal care or the hospital stay when they had the baby. In their documents, they would lie and say that the women had been in their respective states for much longer than they had, which would allow them to receive benefits. Because if you're like, oh, she's only been here since Tuesday and it's Friday, (laughs) like, I'm sorry, you don't qualify for these benefits, ma'am. So meanwhile, Peterson kept the facade of a Christian adoption agency and uh, charge prospective parents anywhere from $35,000 to $40,000 for the shady adoption, even though the birth mothers would only receive 10000 of that. Well, yeah, that's how you make a profit, Caitlin. Well, clearly. That's called capitalism. But the prospective parents were told that the additional money, which pretty much all of it, and he's saying like his fee was only a very minimal part of it, but almost all the money was going to be used to pay for care and lodging for the mother and pay for their hospital medical bills. Yeah, capitalism. Well, it's a lie, since he clearly was paying nothing if he signed the women up for the Medicaid benefits. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's dumb. That's how you make profits. That's dumb. You're a bad person. I'm not the one who did it. You're agreeing with him. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just telling you that's why. That's I, why you do it. You get get that paper. Stop. It would come to light that he scammed the state out of close to a million dollars in Medicaid benefits. I think it was like 815, wait, 815,000. Yeah. So what is that in today's money? <laughs> It's a joke because it was only like five years ago. Uh, Oftentimes, like I said, the birth mothers, they didn't speak English well or at all. And their translator at the hospital and for their medical and legal interactions was one of Peterson's facilitators who were like almost definitely purposefully mistranslating what was being said. Uh, And the mothers would just be like, okay, whatever. The mothers often did not realize that their child would be given away permanently and that no contact could be guaranteed and the children would not be returning to them. One judge recounted once a woman came to the court and they did it through the court, recounted the look of shock on the mother's face when they were finally truthfully told this information and it was too late. Their baby was gone forever. Uh, And when the adoptions were finalized, which would happen within days of giving birth, the women would either be flown back home or come to live in Arkansas in the large Marshallese community. So, pretty messed up. So, is that just like, I wonder how much, what percentage of the Marshallese community in Northwest Arkansas is just like these people who got got scammed? I I mean, I think it's... A, I guess it wouldn't be... If there's 15,000, I guess... Yeah, I don't think all of them I guess them it are. wouldn't be that many But overall. there's definitely a portion. Um, I read some estimates between five and 700 women were, you know, trafficked through this. Um, there were adoptions between five and 700. Anyway, but... Excuse me. In October of 2019, Peterson was charged, arrested, all that stuff with 29 counts of fraudulent schemes, conspiracy, theft, and forgery. And that was just in Arizona. They focused mainly on his Medicaid stuff in that state. So each state brought their own charges and focused on something different. So that was mostly the Medicaid stuff. He was charged with 11 felonies in Utah, including communications fraud, human smuggling, and sale of a child, which is bad. Oh, it turned out he had trafficked over 40 women through Utah and then they don't even know a number. I mean, it's, they don't even know. Uh, and that was just in a span of a few years. And in Arkansas, he was charged with 19 federal charges relating to illegal entry of individuals to the state. So he's facing some pretty big charges. I think Utah and Arizona were state charges and Arkansas was federal charges. I think is what I read. Don't hold me to it though. So between December of 2016 and December 2018, the account that Peterson gave to prospective parents to deposit funds for the mothers, in quotations, had $2.7 million come through it. $2.7 million. He had, like I said, properties in multiple states. He had luxury cars. He had a really nice house. He had uh, vacation properties. Did I say that? I mean, dude was rolling in it because he was profiting off human trafficking, essentially. He initially tried to kind of like fight the charges, but eventually he pled guilty, took some plea deals, and he pled guilty to all the charges in three different states um, in courts in June of 2020. So he had to plead guilty three different times in June of 2020 uh, in three different states. So Peterson's accomplice like Linwood Jeanette that we talked about and a woman named, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, Maki Takahisa, um, 
she was his one of his facilitators in Arkansas. Those women were also charged with various crimes similar to that. As part of Peterson's plea agreement in Arizona, he was required to pay $650,000 to the Arizona Healthcare Cost Containment System, which is their Medicaid agency, $11,000 to an unnamed victim, and $18,000 to the Arizona Attorney General's office to cover investigative costs. He was sentenced to like each state and each crime had different times and there was like stuff can run concurrent with one another. So all in all, it boils down to he's going to serve about 11 years in prison. Um, Could be less with parole. Interestingly, (laughs) I thought this was kind of funny. A council had to meet to suspend him from his public job for 120 days, which was the max they could do because he couldn't really be fired from the job because he was elected to the position. So it was like, oh, that's kind of funny. They're not like, you're fired. They're like, you're suspended for 120 days, even though you're going to be in federal prison. Um, eventually, obviously, he had to resign from his position. But anyway. And uh, this is what he had to say about it, about all of his junk. To any birth mother that felt misled, slighted, disregarded, disrespected, or even coerced, I say I'm sorry. I tried to make happy families, and in doing so, I ruined my own. Shut up. Like, shut up. Nobody cares. I feel bad for his fa- for his wife and kids because he did that to them. But, you, dude, you brought it all on yourself. Like, I don't feel sorry for you. Uh, but a U.S. District Court Judge Timothy Brooks called Peterson's adoption practice a, quote, get-rich-quick scheme hidden behind the shiny veneer of a humanitarian operation, which I was like, ooh, sick burn, bro. Um, and Raquel would end up filing for divorce not long after everything came to light and she has custody of their four children while he is in federal prison. And that is the Arkansas adoption scheme. Now I want to talk about some things. First off, sources, there was a lot. It was a lot to piece together. Civil Beat article was really good. Wikipedia articles about the Marshall Islands and Paul Peterson. There's a Guardian article, um, MEI.NGO is the Marshallese Educational Initiative. It's based in Arkansas. It was a really great website with a lot of opportunities for Marshallese people. It was wonderful to see all the things they're doing for them there. A bunch of azcentral.com stories. I think I used like four different ones. Um, an ArkansasPublicMedia.org um, website and then a CNN article. Okay, that being said, there was no... Nobody, none of the Marshallese women were prosecuted. None of the adoptive families were prosecuted. They didn't try to get back the babies. But what's done was done. And the ones that were already in the process of being adopted, I think they kind of let happen, but they did it in a legal manner um, through and made sure that the women understood what they were doing, had proper court-appointed translators, and that the women understood what they were signing. I... There was so many victims in this scenario. First off, you have the birth mother who was essentially trafficked and coerced and taken advantage of in a less than, you know, ideal circumstance. Come here, make money. Oh, but by the way, you think you're just letting somebody borrow your kid. You will never have rights them again. Failed to mention that. So first off, mothers are victims. Second off, the kids are victims because they a lot of times they had a mom that loved them and maybe even a dad that loved them I don't know but they were 
it wasn't you know they were just caught up in it and third and what's really sad is that almost none of the adoptive families had any idea that they were being taken advantage of that they were being swindled out of money and that they were adopting kids that you know weren't necessarily didn't need to be out for adoption you know what i mean so it is just a hor- somebody took advantage of every facet of the system of the adoption thing and what makes me sick is he's like oh i'm a good mormon blah 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 and like oh this was to make families happy shut up no it wasn't it was so you could get money you dumb piece of doo-doo but it's just so sad that everybody in the situation was taken advantage of by a super sicko that's capitalism baby it like legitimately that- yeah, I, I do like the quote where he's like, I tried to make happy families. Like, did you, though? No, you is didn't. That what, is that what the uh, the plan was there? Is that what you're up to? You went to the Marshall Islands, you scoped it out, and you realized you could get rich off of other people, off of trafficking other people. And what's really sad is that there's not a lot that can be done about it. unless Because the adoption laws, if it goes through a private agency... It's so under the table. Private adoption agencies are so under the table. They're not well regulated. Like, I mean, they are to some degree, but reading about it, there are so many loopholes. I mean, like I read a lot and there are so many loopholes and that's how he got away with it like he did is that, well, he became greedy. If he hadn't been so greedy, he might've could have gotten away with it longer. Not that I'm offering advice. That's horrible don't do it that's basic advice to most criminals is they always get greedy because yeah. they're doing it a lot of times because they're greedy yeah um but you know it's always like more, more, but more, if more, i do more. if i do it just a little bit more mm-hmm. that's how you get caught that's right but and it was just, just the whole situation i mean it sucks and one article you know judge was talking about like different things he tries to do if he knows that it's a marshallese woman he makes them appear in court he makes them appear in front of him in court and he mandates one of his court appointed translators so that the women know what's going on, which is good, but not everybody knows about it. And now that people are more aware of it in like Utah, Arizona, and Northwest Arkansas, they're moving down. He said, well, now it's happening, you know, further South and in, in South Arkansas where people aren't as familiar with it. And so they're getting away with it. And it, it's, it, there's too many loopholes. There's too many loopholes. It's hard. To, what are you going to do about it? You know, Andrew, what are you going to do about it? I'm going to get them. Good job. Great job. You want to know something interesting? Yeah. I know somebody who has adopted a Marshallese baby. Oh, yeah? Yes. I, I, she, wonderful people. I, I guarantee they had no idea. And who knows if it was even a part of any of this or a part of another scheme. But I guarantee they had no idea anything sinister was going on or had ever gone on. Wonderful, wonderful people and wonderful, loving parents, but just interesting. So what you're saying is don't adopt. Not maybe not Marshallese babies because it sounds like it's all pretty shady. Or at least, yeah, maybe look into it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyways, there's that. Good story, Caitlin. No murder. No murder. Just a really messed up dude. Yeah. And some unfortunate victims. A lot of them, too. Yes, a lot. We'll say it's so many that it counts as one murder. Okay. (laughs) 
Okay. People have gone to jail for, for less time for murder. That's right. So why exactly, not? Exactly. All right. Well, we... That's that's the end of the regular show. That's it. And now it's... For today. Uh, now it's the part where we talk about whatever it is we feel like talking about. That is true. Uh, if you enjoy listening to us talk more, but not about crimes, conceivably. Sometimes there's still crime stuff afterwards, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. not the main focus of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can stick around, hang out. We'd um, love to have you. Maybe even if like your phone is across the room on a charger, you just you don't want to have to stop it. And this is just what's going to happen. Just listen. We're actually, for the next 30 minutes, going to be um, vibrating ambient noises from within ourselves to you. Yeah. And I'm going to be doing a yoga pose like that girl on Twitch. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> yoga pose. It's which, not- for some reason, doesn't look like any yoga I ever saw. <laughs> it's more like... She's wearing yoga pants and her butt is right there in the camera <laughs> as she Andrew's licks gonna... into a microphone oh, or whatever. It's so bad. It's so bad. I think that specific person got banned at some point. Well, that's good. <laughs> I, I think. I, I don't remember for that's, sure. It's that's hard. good. Who can keep up? Who, who can keep up? Meanwhile, on Twitch, I'm watching people play Pokemon. <laughs> um, you and I watch two different Twitches. <laughs> I don't really watch you much don't. Twitch, but uh, but I point Caitlin where she wants the Twitch to be. <laughs> no, uh, man. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. The internet's a bad place. Moving on. This is what we call what you're looking at, or well, what you talking. We about? gotta do some stuff first. Oh, okay. Um, Caitlin, are you ready? We we've been going through some quizzes about Harry Potter. Oh yeah. We're going through all the books. Specifically, the books. These are book-only questions. Book-only. You cannot get these right if you have only watched the movies, which we are now at the part where I have not read these books. <gasps> I only read the first three. So oh. we are doing Goblet of Fire. My favorite book. Yeah, Caitlin's favorite part of the book is when uh, Dumbledore yells a bunch at Harry for putting <laughs> his name in the I thing. I read the Dumbledore name on the Goblet of Fire! So... In the book, he says, Harry... <laughs> Did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Very calmly. Yeah, total misrepresentation. <laughs> so, is that when they switched Dumbledore's? No, Dumbledore got switched. Book three. Movie three. Movie, okay. In, in movie two, the actor was already very ill with cancer. And he was also ill with being a thousand years old. Well, you know. He's in some Western. He's in Unforgiven. He's English Bob. Um, that's his name. It's a Unforgiven is a very good movie. His name is English Bob. I think that's right. It's been forever since I watched that. Okay. But um, anyway. Okay. So we're gonna do this quiz. Uh, these questions are usually really hard. They are really hard. Play along at home. Okay. Uh, if you get all of them right and Caitlin doesn't, yell at her. Yeah. Mock her. Oh. Well. Insult her. Tell her how much better you are at this than she is. That's mean. Even though she's sitting here with like a Harry Potter mug that she let me use for oh, coffee. I totally did. All right. So first, first, okay. what is the name of the muggle that Voldemort kills inside the Riddle House? Okay. We've got Fred Robinson, Frank Bryce, Joe Lewis, or Lewis Walker. Frank Bryce. Frank Bryce is correct. 
He was the Riddle's gardener, apparently. Yep. Lived alone in a rundown cottage. Behind the manor. Yep. How sad. Which of Fred and George's prank candies does Dudley eat when they arrive to pick up Harry? I think it's the tun-tun-tun-tung toffee. All right. That's that's an option. So you want to go with that? Tun-tung toffee. That's correct. That's correct. Tun-tongue toffee. <laughs> yeah. Tun-tongue coffee. Tun-tongue toffee. Tun-tongue toffee. I can't say that. I'm, it's hard. It's a toffee. It is. I don't know what you want from me. It makes your tongue big. Oh, oh tun-tongue. Like tun. A ton. As in weight. Right. Tongue as in the, the thing in your mouth. And then toffee as in a candy. So then, what is the name of Barty Crouch's house elf? Winky. It's Winky. And say, I was like, creature? No, because I know that. So yeah, it can't be that can't one. It can't be that one. Not, is it Dobby? No, he's free. And again, I know who that is, yeah. which means he wasn't in the movie. No. Or he, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got you. My name is Winky, sir. And you, sir? Her dark brown eyes widened to the size of side plates as they rested upon Harry's scar. You is surely Harry Potter. <laughs> that was good. That's how Winky talks in my brain. What mascot do the Bulgarians bring to the Quidditch World Cup? Caitlin, do you know where Bulgaria is? It's one of the Eastern European countries. That's good enough for me. Um, so anyway. I believe it is Avila. Avila. That's an option. I don't even know what that is. Uh, Fleur de la Cour is part Vila. Who? Fleur de la Cour. Uh, Lacroix? La Cour. Fleur de la Cour. Perrier Lacroix, the sparkling water? Yes. <laughs> yes. What, what did you say? What is it though? Fleur, what, that doesn't help Fleur, me. Fleur de la Cour. She's one of the one of. She's the champion from Bobaton. Right, but what's a vila still? Oh, a vila is. Um, they are like beautiful creatures. They're they're women, and they're like super beautiful, and they can like go on. Su- <laughs> you sound like Ron. He's obsessed with them. They're very beautiful um they like can seduce men or like they like so bring just a, man. a sexy lady like what no but then they have like then they're like and then they go scary when they get angry or, like sirens kind of that's what i would liken it to here's what um harry potter wikipedia says about them vila are semi-human magical beings beautiful women with white gold hair and skin that appears to shine moon bright when angry really vila take on a less pleasant appearance their faces elongate into sharp cruel beaked bird heads and long scaly wings burst from their shoulders okay then they're nearly human magical beings i I just like that i kept asking you what it was and you're like oh so and so is that great who what what are you talking about that's not helpful what's what's I'm a person who doesn't know what basketball is. Oh, Charles Barkley is a basketball player. Great. I don't know what basketball is. I thought Charles Barkley was a band. Charles Barkley is. I said Charles. Oh. Charles Barkley, who is what Charles Barkley named themselves partially after. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, see, That's why it go. sounds so similar. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Uh, okay. Anyway. Yeah. So, Part Vila. what does SPEW stand for? S-P-E-W. Oh, give me the options. Stop the preposterous elf working. Seize the power of elfish working. Stop Something the poor elf welfare. workers no. or society for yes. the promotion of elfish welfare. Yeah. I think I've heard of this. Is this a thing that um, Hermione starts yes. up and then people are like, stop it. Nobody cares. Yeah. But she's very much a proponent for elf rights. And I love that, that she is like such a like 
fighter and for good and justice and like she doesn't care what other people think she's like good for you hermione she's kind of obnoxious about it though in the books but i see where she's coming from <laughs> typical women am i right anyway you would not be friends with hermione i would be best friends with hermione anyway you don't know me what do the champions have to do before the Triwizard Tournament tasks even begin? Pick their dates for the Yule Ball. Write down their emergency contacts info <laughs> in the event they die. Harry's like, oh, no, I don't got nobody. Partake in a wand weighing ceremony. That one. Okay. None of the other ones are funny, so we'll just keep going. We'll just move on. Just the emergency contacts. It seems, yeah, seems legit, yeah. <laughs> they didn't do that. So that was a real problem later on. Yes, it was. Spoilers. Uh, How do you find the door to Hogwarts Kitchen where the house elves work? You tickle a pear. Is that an option? Uh, Yeah, you find the painting of a fruit bowl, tickle the pear, and a handle will appear. This sounds like a euphemism of some sort. (laughs) Not a fan. (laughs) Tickle that pear. People use pear to mean butts in emojis, so... They do, and peaches. Just uh, just saying. Would I get right? Yeah, you got it right. Okay. Perverts. <laughs> it's a bunch of creeps. Uh, what's the name of the band that plays at the Yule Ball? The Weird Sisters. The Weird Sisters Wait, is an option. Read, read me the other options just in uh, case. They're not interesting. The Warlocks, the Fates, and the Hippogriffs. Nope, the Weird Sisters. What's a Hippogriff? Don't tell me somebody who is a Hippogriff. What is a Hippogriff? What? A Hippogriff. You want me to know, tell you what it is? Yeah. It's part... Um, Part eagle, part like horse, kind of. Okay, I just I was just making sure you knew that I was asking what one was, oh. not, not who one was. Oh, okay. <laughs> like the Vila question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Lacroix is great. Who's that? Not helpful. <laughs> In one of her daily profit articles, what does Rita Skeeter reveal about Hagrid? That he's half giant. I knew that. Why do I know that? I don't know. Yeah, that's um. He talks about that's a thing I know. He talks about in the fourth movie, but I don't think Rita reveals it. I would have gotten that correct. I don't remember if she does or not in the movie. Anyway, go ahead. Who gives Harry the gillyweed, which helps him breathe underwater during the second task? Is it is it Dobby? Dobby's an option. What are the other options? Neville, Sirius, and Mad Eye Moody. I think I think it's dobby that actually gives it to him we're going dobby yeah yes dobby good job because mad eye talked to neville about it where dobby could overhear and then dobby went and got it from snake's personal stores was mad eye secretly doctor who at this point though yes okay during which class does harry pass out and have the dream about voldemort wanting to feed harry to nagini who is secretly a lady, as it's revealed, in the, and nobody likes it. In the in the Fantastic Beast. Yes. Um, I, maybe divination? I don't know. Divination. Um, divination with Professor Trelawney is an option. Okay, I guess that one. That is correct. That's right. correct. Uh, what happened to Neville's parents? Oh, do you know what happened to Neville's parents? Um, I think so. They were tortured into madness with the Cruciatus curse by Bellatrix Lestrange, and they live in St. Mungo's Hospital. Yep. All that's 
one of these options. <laughs> Literally, read it to me. What's the answer? They were tortured using the Cruciatus curse and were then sent to St. Mungo's Hospital. It doesn't <laughs> mention Bellatrix, but yeah. I literally almost said <laughs> that was pretty cool. And that is correct. I would have gotten that one right, too. So What's, Mostly because I, I just knew they were tortured and went crazy or whatever. One of my favorite scenes from the Harry Potter books is a scene from the books. And they left it out. Of the, wait, a scene. How about they, that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Shut not up. a lot of people realize this, but one of the best scenes from Empire Strikes Back, it's one of the scenes from The Empire Strikes Back. You're so dumb. Okay. No. Okay. Rewind. Okay. One of my favorite scenes from the books that they leave out of the movies takes place at St. Mungo's and it's... Uh, I think it's Arthur Weasley. He's in the hospital. He's been attacked. And he's in the hospital at St. Mungo's, which is a magical hospital. And Harry, Hermione, and Ron all go to visit Arthur Weasley at the hospital. And while they're there, they walk by a ward, which is their long-term ward, where people that have, basically, it's like their psych ward. And they see Neville with his overbearing grandmother, um... And they, he's kind of sulking around. He's like, oh, hey, you guys. And then he, basically, his grandmother was like, don't you know why Neville's here? Does he never talk about his parents? You know, they were, they fought with the order. Um, They, you know, they fought hard, you know, with the order and they were tortured into insanity. They're brave and wonderful people. And Anyways, it's a really sweet scene, and it's really sad to see Neville, you know, because he was raised by his grandmother, basically. And um, anyways, his mother does, his parents don't know who he is because they're out of their minds, but he comes to see them anyways. And every time that his mom sees him, she gives him like a bubble gum wrapper, and he's like, and his grandma's like, he's like, thanks for the trash, mom. <laughs> his grandma's like, oh, throw that in the bin, dear. And he's like, he puts it in his pocket because it's from his mom. Oh, it's one of the best scenes, and I'm really mad that they left it out because it was like, it was very personal. It was very personal. Movies scene. can only be so long, Caitlin. Yeah, well, that's dumb. I think they're they've at least talked about it. I don't know if it's actually happening about doing a they're doing a show uh-huh. on. I guess it'll be HBO Max. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows? What during the third task? What is the answer to the Sphinx's riddle? Give me my options. Spider, blue, the whopping willow. It's not even whopping. It's it's no whomping. Whomping. Anyway, and Quidditch. Uh, the spider. Spider is correct. Um, yeah. So there you go. How did Barty Crouch Jr. escape Azkaban? It was with his mom. Okay. And his mom switched out. Polyjuice Using, potion. Okay. That's an option. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. Look what, at you. What did, what did the answer say? Uh, he and his mother swapped places in Azkaban using a polyjuice potion. There you go. How was Rita Skeeter listening to private conversations at Hogwarts all year? She's an animagus. Did I know that? No. I feel like I knew that somehow. Well, it's definitely 100% not in the movies. Well, keep in mind, I did watch a video series at some point that was like, this is what's different between all the things. Oh, so well, some of this go. stuff probably like still is in my brain. Yeah. I, even though I have forgot most of it. And that was such an awesome twist because at the end of the movie, 
Hermione cannot figure out how Rita knows all the secret stuff. And then it turns out she's an unregistered animagus, whatever you want, however you want to call it. And she's a beetle. And so she goes and she can perch in inconspicuous places and hear things. Well, in different places, you see like whenever in the second task, whenever Hermione comes out of the water, Victor's like, oh, you have a beetle in your hair and throws it away. And and then like different places where it's like brushed a bug off. It's very inconspicuous. Like they just talk about that. And then at the end, Hermione figures it out. And then she sees it's like a touching moment. Everything's coming to light at the end of the book that happened with all the bad stuff. And Hermione, you hear her go on like and like hit her hand on the desk. And she's like, sorry, carry on. And she was catching Rita. She put her in a jar. Oh, I thought she was murdering her. No, she caught her and put her in a jar and was like, you're going to stay here and learn your lesson. <laughs> and you're not going to say anything else about anybody else. Or I'm reporting you of being an unregistered animagus. And she would be in a lot of trouble. I'm surprised. You got to register to be. Yeah. Be you gotta, they got to keep track of that. Hmm. Because people can do illicit things like that. Sounds like government overreach to me. <laughs> okay. Next question. <laughs> and finally. Okay. What does Harry do with his Triwizard Tournament winnings? He gives it to Fred and George so they can open Wizard Weasley's Wizard Weasels. That's correct. You got all of them. I got 100%. That's, that is all of them, yes. That's what all means. I got them all. 16 out of 16. You're a Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire book genius. You bet I am, bro. You know everything there is to know about the Goblet of Fire. Well, you know, I know a little. So That was great. I loved go. that. That was a good one. So now... <clears throat> I don't know. What you been up to? What you watching? What you looking at? Well, just trying to not die. I was literally like comatose for a couple of days just trying to like make it. Hell yeah. Yeah, bro. <laughs> uh, I've listened to like three audiobooks. I don't even remember their names. I took them off my phone. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. No, it wasn't. Uh, That was all here, baby. All stored from 20 years of Harry Potter. A likely story. Um... I've been listening to some audiobooks. Haven't really done anything. Just been trying to get back to normal. Um, oh, I tell you what I did do though. You and I talked about this earlier. Um, I've been trying a lot of interesting foods lately. Um, I think I talked about kombucha last time. I don't remember. We talked about it at some point. Yeah. So definitely been riding the kombucha train. Um, learned about something called kefir which I've never heard of before a couple weeks ago, but it's full of probiotics and it's good for your gut. It's described as a cultured milk beverage, which sounds disgusting. Andrew tried some. What are your thoughts? It tastes like the yogurt went bad. <laughs> it's very tart, very makes your mouth pucker. Um, it's, it, it's, yeah, it's yogurty. Um, kimchi, had some kimchi. We, Hell yeah. We went to the Asian food market. Um, someone's grandma definitely made this kimchi. It's definitely homemade. Um, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Um, tried a little yogurt drink. That was fun, right? You tried it too? Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, it wasn't very good. It needed to be more yogurty. Yeah. It so was... basically I just wanted yogurt, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew's really feeling some yogurt now. Um, so I've just been trying a lot of interesting foods lately, um, to try to heal my gut back up and get those, build up my microbiome. That's about it. That's been my focus for the past two weeks. Yeah. 
I don't have a whole lot, I guess. I finished Book of Boba Fett. The finale happened. That show's not very good. Oh, yeah. We talked about that. It's not very good. Yeah. Um, I, If you... Did you like The Mandalorian? Yes. Okay. Watch episodes five and six of Book of Boba Fett. It'll <laughs> get you caught up because important stuff happens, kind of. Oh, really? <clears throat> yeah. Relating to The Mandalorian, Din Djarin, um, you know, Pedro Pascal, and not Boba Fett. This show, I swear, I don't even know what they're doing. With, I didn't. This show is, is not just very beyond good. Words right now. It's just not very good. It's, yeah. <laughs> there, there's like some good stuff in it, but it's not a good show. Mm. And it's like they get four episodes in of this seven episode show called Book of Boba Fett. Episode five, Boba Fett is not in episode five at all. It is exclusively about the Mandalorian. That's annoying. It's and it's so weird because there's like this. Book of Boba Fett is such a show that like people were very met on. Yeah, that's why I did not watch it. I was like, I'm not interested. To the point that when episode five came out, everybody was like, this is the best episode. And it is not at all like anything. It's it is not the show anymore. Yeah. It's like an epilogue for season two of Mandalorian. It's bizarre. Yeah. And like even the production value looks better. Like it's a better looking episode than the rest of it. And maybe it's just because they're not on What's up with flipping that? Tatooine. I don't know. Yeah. If I were in charge of Star Wars, Two things. Mm-hmm. I would say no more blowing up planets. Okay. Y'all did too much of that. Done. Gotta stop. Done with that. And uh, no more Tatooine. No more desert, desert planets. Desert is just annoying. We have too many desert planets. We Jeddah, desert planet. Tatooine, desert planet. Jakku, desert planet. The other one, desert planet. Desert planet. <laughs> the one from Rise of Skywalker. I don't know what it's called. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, stop with the desert planets. We need more planets like the, the Skellig Islands, um, which is Ireland. Um, that was beautiful. That, are they called Skellig? In the in real life, what do you they think are. of The Witcher? No, in real life, the Skellig Islands. Th- that's what they're called in real life. Oh, I'm th- I think The Witcher, the island area is called Skelliga. Oh, really? I think so. Maybe it's named after it. Probably. But no, I actually went to the Skellig Islands when I went to Ireland. But uh, it's hmm. um, that's where Luke was, where on the little yeah on Octo. Is that what they call? Is that that's what, the planet? Oh, okay. But yeah, just you don't have to go to deserts. Yeah, no. You did it. You did it. And you know what? We've got probably better looking desert planet stuff coming with more Dune eventually. Oh, yeah. So just watch that. But stop with the desert planets. You know what's? You know what was cool? The episode of Mandalorian where he's on this like half ring space station thing. It was cool. That looked cool. Let's do more space stuff. Just, just stop it. But yeah, and then uh, episode six, uh, Boba Fett's in like one scene. <laughs> so it's just like. So this is the Mandal. I think I told you this. I saw a meme and it was like, "Have you heard about Pedro Pascal? He's in a lot of pain, carrying the weight of two shows on his shoulder, or something like that." Yeah, I just, I don't know why they bothered when with I saw, this. When I saw that, I was like, "Oh, he must have made an appearance in the in the Boba Fett." Yep, in the final three episodes, and two of them were focused exclusively on him, basically. Um. Yeah, I don't think I think I'm good. I'm glad I didn't start watching it. Yeah, like I said, there's like there's like some stuff in there that's like, oh, that's cool and good and stuff, but overall, it's mm-hmm. not great. Okay, so just one Star Wars? It's like, yeah, it's like a C-level show overall, I say. Uh, and again, people are like, this is the best episode. It's the one that's not the show anymore. It's the no show. Longer, but it's also the Mandalorian now that you're it's watching. Like, it's like the writers got bored and were like, can we just do something else? I don't like this. Can Boba Fett just, sucks. Can we just bring on the Mandalorian and Grogu, please? One of the criticisms I've seen, or not even criticism, 
um, people trying to justify like why the show isn't liked that much is people being like, oh, it's because everybody's bringing their own expectations of who Boba Fett is or whatever. And it's like, no, I think the problem is the opposite. It feels like the show has an expectation of, of like us knowing that Boba Fett is a ruthless murderer for the Empire who's trying to turn good. And it's like, we we saw him in like three scenes in the original movies. Yeah. And we have no idea who this man we is. We saw a decent amount of him in like the Clone Wars. Yeah. But that's before the Empire's a thing and he's a little brat. So who cares? Yeah. Um, Peacemaker. Uh, there's only one episode left. Oh yeah. Do you like it? That show's still good. You like You'll it? You'll hate it. Okay. Because it's like the it's like the Suicide Squad, the good one. <laughs> I didn't hate it. You didn't like it though. It just wasn't it just wasn't up my alley. But But it's more of that. Well, I don't know. I might. It was a fun action movie if you take it like, I mean, like, I don't know. If you didn't, I don't think you'd like the show. Okay. Okay. Even though it's really good. Okay. It's like I say, every time you're worried about COVID, how would you even know you have no taste already? (laughs) So. You're so dumb. That's that. You're so dumb. What what else you got going Um, on? Okay. This is kind of like a three-parter here. Uh, and they're all related. So we have started a new D&D campaign. Um, my, my lovely John took over as um, DM. And it was awesome. We had our first night. It was the night before I got sick. And I was like, I'm finally, you know, back to normal. I'm having, you know, fun game night with friends before I go back to work. And the next day I started to get sick. And I was like, oh, God, no. Mm, full blown sick. But it was so nice. I had such a good time. It was a lot of fun. We laughed. And John's brother was our previous DM. DM is Dungeon Master. Um, and as a parting gift, he was, we basically just did our practice run with him. It was very short. We all learned. And um, it was very short. But anyway, um, he as he gave us all parting gifts. He's like, you know, he gave us all parting gifts that had to do with our characters. He gave he gave John he gave him so John was uh, some kind of I don't know what he was some kind of warrior but he gave John literally articulated metal gauntlets and they were <laughs> yeah, they were they're heavy and they're the coolest things and he gave um one of our other um players she's she was a rogue and uh and um she does like roguey things sneaky things so she one of her talents was lock picking and he got her in real life a lock picking set how to learn how to lock pick and it was really cool and then he got um peter he's one of our other players he got peter (laughs) peter's character was a bird man basically and he he knew like like karate type stuff i don't i don't really know it's called something i don't remember but he got (laughs) <laughs> he got peter a book of that and like how to do it and peter peter sent us a picture when he got home of him like practicing and do you know what cameron got me he got me an ocarina a real life ocarina and i was like okay first off i didn't realize that they were like legitimate instruments not made up from legend of zelda that's embarrassing i knew they were real they are very real very cultured in the i, I don't remember which culture it's but anyways it was present thousands of years ago 
I'm going to sound really bad. I don't know if it's if it's Chinese or Japanese culture, but it's one of the two. But anyways, it was present in the culture many thousands of years ago. There's records of him. And he got me. Oh, and by the way, I looked up a YouTube video and, and the, the guy playing it called it an ocarina. So I don't know if it's ocarina or ocarina, whatever. I've heard it both ways. Okay. So luckily... Playing it is very similar to playing the flute as far as fingerings go. So, man, I picked up that first night playing some songs. It was awesome. And I've been learning it. So much fun. So much fun. Best gift ever. Love it. So, um, anyway, start a new campaign. Um, I am a, um, a tiefling. I am a tiefling. Am I a warlock? I can't remember. Um, so, I'm basically like a like a demon warlock. It's not really a demon, but... Anyway, kind of looks like it. So, really cool. My name is Lilith. I'm really excited. Making a backstory. It's really fun. John's done his research. We're going to have a blast with this. It's going to last for a long time. Just like this podcast. Yeah. And also, I... um, Speaking of that, new show. Started watching a new show. Uh... Gravity Falls, finally. No, it has to do with D&D stuff. Oh, is it that Vox whatever Vox it is? Vox Machina, uh-huh. Which is, so there's this group of voice actors that came together to form a D&D group. And it, they called their group, um, well, their campaign was Vox Machina. And it's about a group of, you know, a band of, I don't know, warriors and warlocks and healers and whatever that come together and go on an adventure. Um, I think their group, their specific group, though, is called Critical Role, is what they call themselves. Yes. And then they have like a podcast and um, they stream their campaigns and things like that. But a lot of fun. Their voice actors and all of them came together and made this. And now they made a show about their campaign. And it's really fun. And it's fun when we're... uh, when when we're sitting there and something bad happens, we're like, oop, that was a missed role or like a, you know, like a disadvantage or something anyways it's it's a lot of fun it's a it's a lot um it's a lot more r than i thought it was gonna be i didn't realize it was kind of vulgar but um it's a lot of fun i really like it i'm, I'm liking it a lot i've seen a lot of people seem to like it yeah which it's is, good which is surprising based on the concept it seems like it would be something would be like i don't know no it's a story not great no but, it's great it's, it's good I, i'm glad it's great I wanted it to be good. Good. Um, yeah, Vox Vox Machina. Uh huh. Legend. What is that on? Um, Prime. Okay. Um, I've been playing a lot of Pokemon Legends Arceus. You honestly, have. too much. Oh. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. It feels like what I wish Pokemon games had been forever. It looks really good. It's so much fun. Uh, so like I was obsessed with Pokemon when it first came out, like the red blue era back, yes. back on the, the original Game Boy and stuff. Um, I was absolutely obsessed. And then the next generation came out with gold and silver and I was done. I was done. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I, I was like, eh, I'm done. I'm good. I tried to get back in with sword and shield, which I actually talked about on this podcast at some point. Yes. And I ended up falling off that pretty hard. This is this is really doing it for me because it's way different than those. Because you can, for one, you can catch Pokemon without even having to initiate fights and stuff. And anyway, it's a lot of fun. That game rules. It looks I've, it looks really good too. Like it looks good, and it's open world. It's yeah, it's open 
openish world. You have like zones, and mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. Uh, it's I don't know. Graphically, it's kind of bad. Also, like no, I thought it was fun. Way better than other Pokemon. It looks okay graphically. Like the look of it is fine, but there's a lot of stuff where it's like if you see a Pokemon in the distance, it ha- it it animates with like two frames. So it's just like a bird. It's like wing up and then wing down. There's no in between. It looks really, really goofy. And there's also a lot of stuff where the draw distance is bad. So it's like, I need to find this thing. And it didn't load in. So I didn't see it for like way too long. So I didn't Mm. see it on this cliff where I normally would have seen it. Ah. All kinds of stuff like that. But it looks fine mostly other than that. But uh, yeah, I've been been loving it. I'm I'm on the last set of tasks to, uh, to catch them all. So all right. I've played a lot. To literally catch all of them. Yeah. What I'm obsessed with is there's a, there's like the regular Pokemon mm-hmm. that are regular size. Yes. But then there's the alphas yes. who are flipping gigantic. Yes. And I am obsessed with finding alphas. Because you want the big I want, ones. I want my pocket monsters to be big. I want big ones. I want them to only fit if I got Jinkos. So don't know what that is. <laughs> There's big old jeans like from the nineties. They're oh, like yeah. way too big. Oh yeah, though I thought you were talking about something in game. Nope. Oh no. Uh, my Jinko jeans. Okay, I know what you're talking about. I need them to be big because these are gonna be big pocket monsters. <laughs> <laughs> um I got one that is a scorpion bat thing that's an alpha. Um I've c i have call him Batmon because you can change their names. That's awesome. Uh he's a Gliscor, I think, is the name of the type he is. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that game rules. I'm shocked at how much I love it. And beyond that, I don't know. I know. Horizon's coming out. It is. I can't wait to start seeing some stuff like that on Twitch. The reviews are really good so uh, far. The first game, is just Horizon Zero Dawn was the first one. This one's called... Forbidden West. Forbidden West. It That was such a beautiful game. I got the platinum on the first one. Oh, look so, at you going for it on this one. Maybe. We'll see. And that's coming out for PS, PlayStation? PlayStation 4 and 5. Okay. Comes out Friday, is I it, believe. Is it PlayStation exclusive? Yes. It is uh, made by Guerrilla Games, oh, okay. formerly makers of Killzone. Oh, They're good. owned by Sony, so. You you played a little bit of um, the zombie game, which was absolutely terrifying and gave me a lot of anxiety. Oh, yeah. T- uh, Dying Light 2 came out. And I've had Dying Light 1 uh-huh. on my hard drive for literally years now, I think, because mm-hmm. I bought it for like five bucks. Yeah. And I was like, I'll, I'll finally play this. Yeah, I'll do it a little and bit. And Caitlin was like, I'm bored. Stream something. So yeah. I did. And that game's, it's, it's a lot of anxiety. A lot of anxiety. I, uh, I was stressing out really bad. I was like, this is not relaxing. Not at all uh it's it's basically parkour zombies and stuff yeah and some are slow and some are very fast and scary yeah there's some that are fast doing like cartwheels basically it's so scary you didn't even see the scariest parts i never did nighttime stuff which is where it's really crazy no thank you hard Uh, pass um last thing i'll leave y'all with i think i'm just gonna recommend like a youtube channel every week okay or two yeah every two weeks since that's um this is a video game youtube uh it's uh Matt McMuscles. Matt McMuscles. Yes. He does like, he plays through some stuff and I like his energy and his humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of his humor is literally just references to um, the old school wrestling podcast. So a lot of those references I love. You love. But most importantly, the uh, the, the playthrough stuff, it's fine. 
But what's really good is he does a series called What Happened, where he looks at games that had troubled development cycles and hmm. sometimes were disasters. And it's like, why were they disasters? What happened? What went wrong? And so a lot of that stuff is really good. Um, he did one on Cyberpunk, even. Oh yeah, well, what a, so, what, a, um, what a disaster! The 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 main thing is they rushed it and COVID. Yes. Combined just to be bad. a disaster, just bad. Yeah. Which rumor is um, tomorrow, which will be today, if you're listening to this when it comes out on Tuesday, they've got uh, there's a Cyberpunk stream happening. They might be announcing the new the, the PS5, oh, the cool. PS5 Xbox Series X versions finally cool. coming out. Um, but yeah. Why don't you take us home? All right. That was that was everything. Guys, thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for being patient while I try to find a normal routine again. Um, you can check us out on Facebook at Paint the Town Dead. You can catch us on... Uh, on um, what? Uh, uh, I just had a brain fart. I am, I am struggling. Facebook, Paint the Town Dead. Instagram paint the town dead all one word twitter pttd pod and you can email us at pttd pod at gmail.com please feel free oh we have a youtube channel we have a tiktok we've done nothing well we we've we've the podcast episodes will go up on youtube thank you it's just it's just audio but some people like that and uh nothing on tiktok it's just there um feel free to subscribe on anything you can rate five stars anything you can like anything you can share anything you can we appreciate your feedback we appreciate your comments if you have a story to tell please uh, message us let us know we we love we have a running list of stories um and and cases to cover so we love to hear from you guys and uh guys hope you had a good valentine's day know that each and every one of you are loved very much and we're very grateful for each and every one of you and we hope you have a great week and we hope you have health in 2022 (laughs) and we will see you guys in a couple of weeks goodbye bye